Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you speakers meeting. My name is Christy and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Sunday, August 26th. The OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Melanie. Are you reading the 12 steps today? I am. Thank you. Hi. My name thank is you. Melanie. I'm a, reco- I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Minnesota. The 12 steps. Number one. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to the compulsive overeaters, to, uh, to compulsive overeaters, and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Melanie. I will now call on Deb W. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, a vision for you. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop drinking, to stop eating. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, 
An OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, of property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name never ought name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Deb W. Again, welcome this morning to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you speakers meeting. A speakers meeting is where we bring a recovered compulsive overeater to the line to share in a general way what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Today we are very grateful to have Judy F. with us to share. Please go ahead, Judy. Judy, can you press star one to unmute, please? Okay, thank you, Christy. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, I want to thank also Leah for inviting me on the meeting to uh, share my story. I am a recovered compulsive overeater, so grateful to be here, um, and thank you all for um, coming. I'll just give you some statistics before I start um, my story and tell you what happened. Um, I uh, have lost probably over, between 55 and 65 pounds. I had stopped getting on the scale um, and have maintained that for 20 and a half years. Um, I've, uh, my abstinence date is 21 years ago, July 29th, 1991, um, when I, I did uh, made a big surrender and uh, was desperate and and came and started working the steps and, and really surrendering to the totality of this program and what the recovery program um, highly suggests. And I'm so grateful to God and to the 12 steps um, that I believe God had a lot to do with. And, um, and people who went before me and people uh, in the fellowship. I um, am around 5'3", and I weigh about 115. I've also been 15 pounds lighter than I am today, so I do have experience with um, some anorexia and also bulimia. So um, I'll start from the beginning. I was one of five uh, children, and um, I was um, a thin, not a thin, I was um, an average-sized child growing up, but um, I always loved sweets. It was in my baby book, and, um, you know, that Judy loves sweets, hates vegetables. Um, also, my mother told me when I was one year old, one years old, when she brought me to the doctor for um, that appointment, I was 
on a very heavy baby, and he he suggested that she put me on uh, skim milk because I had a tendency to gain weight. And so um, I was an active child, but I was food. I have food memories ever since I can remember. Um, my memories around going to my grandmother's and there was, uh, you know, sweets there. And I just loved going, even though I had car sickness every time I went before I went, um, I get motion sickness, but I would still want to go because I knew she would have a lot of, a lot of sweets for me. And, um, my mother, uh, controlled our eating. Um, and so I was not allowed to have, we didn't have a lot of sweets, um, around the house. Um, we'd have desserts, but then it would end. And I, also in my disease, I had body distortion and an obsession with the um, with my body. And I can remember at five years old sitting on a bench comparing my thigh, how big my thigh was compared to my best friend. So that has, was um, a manifestation of this disease at an early age besides the um, compulsively... Um, wanting to eat more. I, I never felt satisfied. I always wanted to eat more, and, and it was like my mother shut me off. I remember um, in the summer, it was always about ice cream, and we even had the song, ice cream, you eat ice cream, we all drink from ice cream. I mean, it was like a big joke in the family, but we were always like almost daily having um, going to the ice cream place. Um, and then I remember going to my friends and at, at parties and always, wanting the sweets and I would really focus on the sweets and I was a very um I was very afraid and very shy so um that would be something I would be looking forward to and um and excruciatingly shy actually um and then uh but you know it never affected uh, my weight so um it it just was something that, you know, I always wanted more. And um, when I was, I think, eight, and I don't know why this memory, but I remember having like eight um, hot dogs, the, the number of how old I was at one at, at my uncle's. Um, so if I didn't have my mother there, um, I would have just kept eating probably and same with my, my meals. So then at... Um, I, at about 10 years old, I started, yeah, it was actually 10 years old, I started babysitting, and um, I loved babysitting because I could go to other people's houses, and they would say, oh, help yourself. Little did they know that I really would in every way. Um, So, and then um, the weight started coming on when I was a sophomore in high school, Um, it, I never felt thin enough, that's for sure. And um, and actually that insecurity, I never felt smart enough. Um, I had a lot of envy for thin girls, smart, um, people who had a lot of money. Um, I grew up in a town that there, were, um, there was some very, you know, high-income families, and, and we were pretty middle-income, and I never felt like, you know, if I, we drove the right cars or very much into what, you know the the um the brand in clothing 
Um, and then so in sophomore year, I joined the field hockey team, and we were exercising a lot, like two hours a day, and I would be famished, and my mother would let me eat more. Um, and I just remember that kind of started the real compulsive eating because also the, I wasn't part of the group, and so I felt ostracized, and I wasn't a very good field hockey players, so they never passed me the ball, and, and going on the bus, I was sort of um, separate um, from, the, it was pretty clicky. So that, those, those insecure feelings, um, I think I went to food too, even though, you know, I, I know I had the allergy of the <clears throat> body anyway to sweets, but that um, I just wanted to kind of numb feelings. And so I gained some weight that fall um, and then gained some more over the winter. And so that was um, when I started dieting. And since that time, that was like 14 years old, um, till I came into um, a recovery program 27, I pretty much um, dieted, uh, gained loss, gained loss, um, you know, throughout, throughout that time. Like every year I'd go on diets and then um in the winter I it just seemed like in the winter that's when I I would gain weight um and so but in high school it was like um at first I gained 10 pounds and then I would spend the summer losing it and then I'd gain 20 pounds so by the time I graduated um I went on a diet and um I also during that time babysat a lot and I was slowly withdrawing from my friends to go babysitting to be with the food. And um, and then I would only babysit at those places that had the good food and they didn't seem to care. And I would go in and, um, you know, just eat a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but everything so that they wouldn't, that sneaky eating, trying to cover it up so that they won't know that I ate a lot of their food. And um, and then at home, I started um, sneaking the food and blaming it on my siblings. And so um, that behavior started. And then the restrict the restriction. I would restrict during the day, and exercise. The um, exercise bulimia started happening. It wasn't to a out of control state, but it would um, at least every day I would have to exercise. Um, and then, so in the summers, it was all about losing weight, exercising, um, and that would be my total focus. Um, I remember I would dance to the Go-Go's in my room for, it was like, the, I think the um, album was uh, an hour. And I chose the Go-Go's because it was the fastest beat. And it was, I was just um, obsessed with that. I couldn't, do, unless I did that every day, um, I couldn't do anything else. Like that would be the first thing I would do every day before. And then I, um, I so during um, the summers, it was all about, you know, losing the weight. During the winter, I I would gain it. And, um, and it would be, you know, just the sneaking and, um, and it would, it would become my, my friend. And I, I, didn't go see my friends over the on the weekends um, because I was I was babysitting into the food. So um, in high school too, I, I was a high achiever uh, and I, I graduated top of my class and I, I got into a really good school. 
And so I thought, okay, you know, when I go to school, um, it'll be in a different environment. I won't be home. Um, I also grew up with two uh, mentally ill brothers, and so that was pretty tough at home, and, and my father was an alcoholic. So I was sort, I was thinking, well, that's why, you know, I'm stressed at home, but if I get, you know, away and um, really get focused, um, then I won't be going, turning to the food. And I thought, you know, I'm turning to the food because of all this stress, um, and, and I'll start over. So that summer before college, I lost weight, and so I went at a, um, a pretty normal weight. And uh, when I got there, I got in my head. Um, it was it was like Judy's own country club. So I would I pretty much got into exercising three hours a day. And um, in the beginning, I would just eat a fruit a day because I was out of thin weight and I was so afraid that I was going to gain weight. So that was my focus. And um, and so I would jog 10 miles a day. I played tennis with someone every day and, um, and went swimming. And so it was, I fit everything else around my exercise schedule. And, um, and then I was afraid to go to the dining halls because it was like all you can eat. So I would just, I would tell people I'm already eating with someone and then I would just go in, get a piece of fruit and then go back to my room. So that was about two months of, um, of just really reduced kind of anorexic behavior. I was really afraid I was going to gain my weight back. And, um, and so when I got home from, uh, Thanksgiving, my mother like freaked out because I she could see my ribs. She saw um, I was getting dressed, and so she called the dean. And the dean, when I got back to school, called me in. And I was and the dean didn't say who told said that was concerned who was concerned about me. Just said some people are concerned about you. So I thought, oh my God, my friends are talking to the dean, and I um, I, I then wouldn't talk to my friends and was so angry about it. Um, and I remember I just thought, well, I'm just, you know, forget it. I'm, I'm just going to eat. And so within um, two months, I gained 40 pounds. And it was, that's the, the, the intensity of my eating. It's not just one extra thing. That was the beginning of the real binge eating that I did. And then I met some other friends and two friends, and um, and they liked to um, pick out. Um, oh, in high school, on Friday nights I would pick out with friends. Like we'd have pick out parties, and um, and then Saturdays when I I went um, I babysat. So I always tried to find people that would want to eat with me. Um, and so so we would you know go and get like a dozen donuts and eat you know starve them down and go out again would would go into um, the grocery stores, and my friend said, you know, it's not stealing if you eat it in the store. So we went to the bins, and we would just kind of eat and, you know, laugh about it. And so at first that was fun, but then they stopped, and um, and then they were, they said, they, um, but I wanted to continue, and that's where I started to eat alone in my room. And then I would go to the vending machines, and then it was like the opposite. I would go, we had three dining halls. I would go to each dining hall in one sitting and eat with three different people um, to get more food. And 
so college, it really got a lot worse. Um, it definitely progressed for me. I, I didn't, wasn't exercising the three hours, but I was always trying to exercise at least, do something. Um, my grades were were not a priority, and um, and there were two times in college I almost um, failed. And um, and I was pre-med. Like, I always had to go for the, you know, got to go, you know, if you're going to do anything, go for the, the most extreme. <laughs> and so it was the most competitive cutthroat. And uh, so I rationalized that, um, you know, I'm in this hard program and I need um, I need sweets to get me through studying. So I, in my head, I thought I cannot study without having something to give me energy. And that was just, you know, more excuses to have my food. And, um, you know, depression, um, real isolating, um, couldn't wait. You know, I'd go and, and sneak food, put it in my back part, backpack and go back to my room and eat. Um, then in, in, during the summers, I would try still to lose the weight. Um, I would lose some, but it was never like I did before. Um, and then my junior year, I thought, I know it's because I go to school in, in a really cold state with lots of snow all, all winter, and um, I need to go to a, a, a sunny location where it's good weather, then I won't overeat, I won't want to. So I did a transfer program out to California at Pomona College out there, and, um, and I was still eating. I was still doing the same behaviors. I would go to the cafeteria, the dining hall, and I would sneak food. I'd go back to my room and eat. Um, and so uh, it was just, you know, the same cycle, and this time it was more food, you know, less exercising. And um, then that summer I stayed there and worked for a professor on a research project, and I was in the mode, okay, I'm going to lose the weight before I go back for my senior year, and um, and so that's what my whole summer was about. Um, they had a pool, you know. I was on campus, so I I swam, I ran, and um, someone had a bike I could borrow. So I, you know, I was doing the big, you know, exercise at least three hours a day, and that was my focus um, in between working for the professor. Um, and so I go back to college, and I'm in a relatively thin body. And I thought this is going to be different, and um, and so for a couple of months, you know, I'm doing the the exercise and trying to hold on to it, and um, and I was uh, I remember taking like crazy courses. It was like physics, genetics, organic chemistry, and two other like, which um, <laughs> when I think of it today, I'm like, what was I doing? But so um, I I pretty much couldn't handle it and I almost failed out. I I had to I was going into finals with um failure grades and I had to get like an A on all the finals and um in order to stay in school. And by the grace of God, you know, God I can talk about God in a little bit, but um I was not turning to God at all. At all. I mean growing up I had a God in my life. Um but this was Judy trying to run her life. And um, by the grace of God, a friend of mine who I know I still keep in touch today, um, who had a very, she was just a very calm, loving, 
person said, why don't you, you know, come to my, she had like a suite, come and I'll help you study. And if it wasn't for her, um, I wouldn't have, I ended up, uh, and she's not a compulsive reader, so she wasn't a, a, a eating buddy. And, um, and she got me through that. And so I did not fail out. And then, um, but senior, the rest of the second semester, I pretty much gave up. Um, I was eating, I got into smoking pot, um, drinking a lot, and um, but I was able to graduate. So um, thank you, and that was the grace of God. So graduating, I was about 50 pounds overweight, and um, my sister had been doing this diet, diet center, So and she had lost like 20 pounds. She was um, three years younger than me, so... I, so I thought, okay, I'll do this. So basically it was going to the, the center every day. They would weigh you in, and then they give you these, like, magic pills and um, and give you a food plan. And the food plan didn't have flour or sugar in it. And, um, and I was religious on that diet that summer. That's all I did. And, um, and I was a bitch. I mean, I was... My sister and I were always fighting. I was very competitive with her. I worked. It was it was going to work, and then um, you know it was weighing, measuring your food too, and I did it to like the the nth degree. I was invited to barbecues and parties. Didn't go to one because I didn't trust myself. And I and um, the only thing that changed was that I wasn't binging um, or overeating. But um, so just the food changed, but nothing else. And I was miserable. I was more miserable on that diet than ever before. And um, oh, and I was also doing the go-go's tape and, and over-exercising. So I lost um, 50 pounds in like three months on that. And so it was come September, and they wanted to hire me as a um, as a counselor, but. Um, I, when they said you're on maintenance, I just thought, oh boy, like, what's that? And then they said, you know, you could have this and this. And right away I would have that, and it did have flour and sugar in it, which I know now that I I am allergic to that. I just couldn't stop. (laughs) It was crazy. Like, I, and I, I, in my head, I'm like, this is great. I love being thin. I mean, it wasn't great, but I mean, being thin, I thought, now, you know, I'll be able to date. Now I'll get hired in a job. I mean, I thought my life was going to change, and, and it didn't. And I, I hadn't changed at all, only I had dropped 50 pounds. And, and deep down I knew it wasn't going to last, and I was really afraid. And when they said you can go on maintenance, at first I said, no, this seems to be working. I'll just stick with this. And they said, you can't live like this. You need to go on maintenance. And as soon as I picked up um, this, uh, muffin, um, I was off and I was playing games again and, and, um, and I'd start like not eating during the day and then I'd let myself have one and then it would turn into another. So, and I did get a job, um, my first job out of college and, um, within three months I gained all the way back plus, um, 10. So I gained like 60 pounds and that was so, so embarrassing I came in there in these like size four suits. 
Um, I went out. I was also into shopping a lot when I got thin. You know, that's what I, that's how, what was one of my controls, like shop for small clothing. That'll keep you thin. Um, all the different ways control, trying to control it, you know, the exercise, don't eat during the day and then only have a meal at night, but then that just continued. Um, so I started at that job thin, and I started at that job, I would exercise before work. At lunchtime, I would go to the gym and exercise and then eat at my desk when I got back and then exercise after work, go shopping, get get home at like 8, have something to eat, and then it would I would start like binging a little bit. Just a little bit. It's okay. Just a little bit. I can do it. So, um, and then guys were asking me out and I was just really afraid of that. Like, I could not look at anybody actually in the eye. I was... I felt so um, deceptive of what my my secret life was. Um, I I knew over-exercising wasn't really good for me, and I knew binging wasn't good for me, but that's just what I did. And um, and But I thought I was control like I wanted to do it, and I thought I was controlling it. So um, I then, uh, so I had that pattern. Then the, the binging was more prevalent um, than the the restricting. And then I started gaining. And at lunchtime, this time, instead of going to the gym, I was going to fast food restaurants. And I was doing like two or three during that hour. And then after work, it wasn't going to the gym or shopping. It was seeing what I'm going to eat and then bringing it home. And at that, home, at that time, I was living at home. And so... Um, I did that, and within three months, I gained 60 pounds. And so I was wearing these, like, size four, four suits, and three months later, I was in um, this, um, you know, just, like, big – I, I mean, I, I was I was even embarrassed just to go in and, and buy – I mean, I'm 5'3", so, it, you know, 60 pounds is a lot, a lot of weight. Um, and I had met someone at work that actually was binging – Picking out with me, um, and so then I, um, I thought, well, it's the stress of living at home under my parents. You know, they we were I was not getting along with my parents. Um, I couldn't come and go as I pleased, and um, so I moved in with my friend. And so then, then we would um, eat together, and and it was okay. Like if I had a friend to eat with, I was saying, well, you know, this is okay. This is normal. But um, then, then we would go on a diet together. Uh, and but she was able to do the diet, and the diet didn't last as long. And so I did that for a couple of years, and then I was just. Um, my sister had been going to OA at that time, so she recommended OA. So I, I stopped by, like literally stopped by, <laughs> and said, heard heard someone share, and I thought I'm not this bad. Um, at that time, I was doing the, the back, you know, I was dieting a bit, could lose a little bit, and then I would gain. And that, then I, you know, in the summers, I was losing, and then, you know, it was the winter. So then I thought I had seasonal affective disorder, so I got these special lights for the winter. You know, that didn't work. Um, all the different diets I started doing, and then I went to um, a, a, some that you pay for, I mean, I spent a lot of money on this, and it was like just that yo-yoing, and each time it was like gain more and lose less, um, more the exercise, 
my friend moved out. She um, she got pregnant and then got married. And then I was doing a lot of, you know, isolating again. And so in 1989, I believe, um, I was I had a new job. I was in sales. And by the way, I, I lied my way into sales. Um, I, I told them that I did have sales experience. I got a headhunter, and I told them that the job I was, I was a salesperson because I thought that's my problem. I'm stuck into in a cubicle. I need to be out you know, um, selling and working with, you know, people, and then I won't be, I'll be happy, and then I won't eat. Um, So I went, got, um, before that, I actually went to a therapist. I started, I thought, okay, um, this isn't working. I'll try a therapist. Uh, So I found this woman that um, was, her philosophy was, she had lost 40 pounds, and her philosophy was based on Janine Ross that, you, um, I've been depriving myself all my life of not having these sweets. So you let yourself have them, and soon you'll get sick of them. And you eat until you're full. And when you're full, you just stop. And you check in with your body and, find, you know, ask your body, does it want something crunchy? Does it want something smooth? Um, does it want something comforting? And and so you tune into your body, and if you're tuned into your body, you will feed it the right foods. Well, <laughs> that works probably for normal um, eaters, but, you know, I'm not a normal eater. And so for two years I tried this therapy, and she didn't understand why it wasn't working for me. And I even went, she would have these all-day conference uh, workshops, and we would bring our favorite foods, and then at lunchtime, we would put them out in front of us, and um, and she would teach us how to eat like a lady and, you know, like taste it and, you know, let it, you know, don't shove it down, but really taste the food and then check in with the body. What is it feeling? Um, and then before, actually before that, we would check in with our emotions. So we'd make sure that we're not emotionally e- eating. And um, to be honest, I never knew what I was feeling. Um, all I knew is I wanted food. But, you know, I did it in front of everyone. I, I didn't really overeat in front of anyone unless it was like a pig-out partner, um, a binge partner. But um, So then on the way home, I just ate the rest of it. Like she said after, you know, our lunch, okay, everyone's full. Yes, you know, I'm full. So um, that's great. You know, you won't want any more. Well, I did, and um, and I ate everything. It was all in front of me on the way home. I was eating everything. So you know, I tried that, and I I put a lot of effort into it. I wrote that. She said, I want you to write down, you know, what you're feeling before you eat, and then what you end up eating. And she couldn't believe the amount of food I was eating. I was also over exercising too. But um, so I tried that, and um, and she didn't like OA, and before that I had gone to OA, and I didn't like it either. I mean, it was saying, you know, weigh and measure and don't have flour and sugar and, and have a God in your life, and it was like, you know, what is this? Um, it sounded like a cult, and then I remember my sister said, no, I can't do something Sunday night because I have to go to my meeting. And I thought, ew, like, you have to? <laughs> So I thought, you know, I'm not that bad, but, you know, I don't, you know, that's, that's, they're really sick there. So, um, and that is a theme of mine um, that, you know, I was good at rationalizing. And so when I started going to OA, I would go there with the intent of proving that um, I wasn't one of them. 
I wasn't one of you. And um, and my mind was good at that. And so if someone said, you know, I was over 200 pounds, I would say, well, I didn't get to 200 pounds. If they said that they, you know, I mean, anything they would say, I would say, well, I didn't have, you know, that's not me. And I would really try to make a case that I didn't belong there. So, um, so I was going kind of staying away from OA, although it was in the back of my head, and um, I was getting more and more sick. Um, I, in this sales job, I was making up um, proposals uh, of companies. I would drive to an office um, park. I'd write down all the company names. I'd go back and write um, fake proposals. I, I sold phone systems. And um, so that during the rest of the day, I would exercise. And I would, one, I would meet my friend who was a, a therapist, and um, and we played tennis, and we would get, like, really good rates during the day. So um, she was doing the legitimately because she, you know, could. But I was, I was cheating. You know, I was playing tennis while I should have been working. And then I would go to the gym, and, um, and then I would go um, to a, a place to, to swim. So... That was my focus, and and the ironic thing is that I got like an award for the most um, proposals, which it was a lie, you know. Um, and I did, by the grace of God, I did get some proposals that came my way um, through the telemarketers. But so I was kind of able to just um, make it look like I'm really I'm really doing work, and and that of course, you know, living a lie, um, you know, I I couldn't live with myself, so. Um, you know, building up, you know, that, that um, low self-esteem because, um, you know, I was dishonest and it, I was self-seeking. It was all about me and um, and the, the disease was getting stronger and stronger and it was starting to own me. And I started getting very depressed. Um, I, um, then I, I, it was suggested that I go to a psychiatrist because my brother's, bi- one of my brothers is bipolar and the way I was behaving, it was like I was manic depressive. Um, the sugar would, yeah, I would get a real high from the sugar, and then, um, and then, you know, binging, I would get like really depressed. And a lot of that was like the flour products, um, like I would eat, you know, bread, butter, and sugar. I would eat um, even like vats of pasta with butter and salt on it, and just the amounts were. Um, you know, bigger, and I was living, I um, I was uh, living with two roommates, new roommates, and I was stealing their food, and then I was trying to, like, you know, run out and, and replace it. Um, my life was becoming smaller. On the weekends, I was, I was not um, going out with friends, and I was staying in my apartment, spread out of all this different, um, you know, flour sugar products, and just eating in front of the TV. And so um, I did go to a psychiatrist, and they put me on an antidepressant and anti-anxiety med because that's I was feeling anxious and I was depressed. So let's give her some medication, which didn't stop my eating, of course, and didn't stop the and therefore didn't stop the um, didn't really help. And there was one night um, I I was. Um, contemplating suicide and I had three months worth of Prozac and antidepressant and um, I was I was picturing visualizing me um, 
taking all the pills and then how I would just be able to just sleep and get away from the pain that I was feeling. Um, And thank you, God, my tennis friend who was a therapist, and um, little did I know when I met her, she was an eating disorder therapist, but she kept calling me that weekend. I don't even know why she kept, um, and and she came and banged on my door. She lived um, like 45 minutes away. And um, and she said, you know, I really think you need hospitalization. So I went, um, and I was giving her all the reasons why I didn't need it. And then she would just put, like, BS, you know, bullshit, bullshit. Because <laughs> they're, they're, they're not reasons, you know. Um, so I, I was, I did go into a hospital. And um, it had an eating disorder. It had a food unit. It was um, a psychiatric hospital, and it, uh, it it was a it was it was helpful in some ways. Um, I really saw that I had a real problem. It wasn't just about you know weight, but it um, it only uh, they focused on the emotional uh, a lot, and we did I did write out a first step, and they they did say OA is a good support system to go to OA. Um, I had no, they didn't give you sugar or caffeine there and they gave you the meals. So while I was there and they were giving me the meals, um, you know, I was okay. And, but I felt like I can't leave here. I can't give I can't feed myself. Um, they need to feed me. And I still had cravings. Um, so I was in there for seven weeks, and I honestly did not want to leave, and I didn't trust myself. I did a furlough um, in between. I went um, back home for a weekend, and I got right into the food. So when I got back, I think um, they said, I said, you know, I might, sugar, I mean, flour seems to be like maybe a problem for me. So then they said, okay, you know, don't have flour so anyway, when I left there, they said, now go to OA for support. And I said, okay. And I thought, you know what, I'll just stay away from flour and sugar. And I, I think I'm going to be okay. I did go to an OA meeting and I saw someone from work from my where I had a sales job. And, and I said, oh, my God, they can't see me here. Like, they can't know that I'm, I have a problem, you know. <laughs> but I didn't think that they have a problem, too. So then I just decided, you know, I'm not going to – I don't need that. So I'll just stay away from flour and sugar and – and then I, I got obsessed with this guy, and so I started dating him, and it was all about him. And then he 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 liked to eat, so I thought, you know what, this isn't that bad. You know, I'll I'll just eat when he eats. So we, and then I was inseparable from like I go to work, and then I'd always go over to him, you know with him, and so that was sort of like my obsession. Um, and I thought like he'll help me like stay on course. So um, another year of insanity, I just started my whole thing again, overeating, trying to exercise, binging, trying to control, um, and at that time, too, um, getting out of that hospital, they said they wanted me to be in an um, eating disorder group or find a group therapy, so uh, I had, and I was in individual therapy with another therapist. I, well, actually, I found this group, and it said in the paper, choose food, choose life over food. And it said, have you been choosing food over life? And it had this little 
blurb and I thought, wow, yes, I've been living for food. I, I didn't care about life. I just wanted the food. So I went to that and um, and to that therapist. And actually, I, I liked the therapist and I ended up seeing her individually. But the group um, had someone from OA and they were always, you know, they would say, I'm abstinent and grateful and life is good. And I, I hated that person. I really, I, I thought, oh, my God, like Pollyanna, get her out of here. Meanwhile, I was coming every week saying how depressed I was, how I couldn't stop eating. eating. And after every meeting, she'd say, ask me, Judy, you want to go to an OA meeting with me? And I thought, and I just said, yeah, yeah, you know, maybe next week. And then I started seeing the therapist, and, and she said, you know, do you want, why don't you try OA again? And I said, okay, this week I'll go. And then I didn't go. And meanwhile, it was getting worse, and it got to the point where um, I lost my job. Oh, right before that, I went on a vacation with my boyfriend, and it was a beautiful place, right on the water, and all I wanted was him to leave so I could go out get my, my food and eat in the condo. And um, and I would kept making excuses, oh, i got to go get a newspaper. And then I'd go out and get some food and, and just kind of like binge. And then um, and then I said, well, why don't you go down to the ocean and I'll, I'll be down there. And then I'd go out and get food and just be. And I was in this gorgeous place. And all I wanted to do was be alone in a dark condo with my food. And um, and that, that was the truth. So when we got back, I got back, and that day that I got back, they let me go. And um, and I was so angry. They, they didn't do it in a nice way, and I had such a resentment. And um, really so angry. I couldn't let go of that. And um, and then it got worse. I was home all day, so I was I was binging all day and then at night when my boyfriend got home from work I'd say let's go out to dinner and every night we were going out to dinner and different places and then when he said when he went to bed I was um I would continue eating and I had I was still doing a little bit of exercise but um it was mainly the food and Thank you, God. The only thing I was really showing up to is weekly I was showing up to the therapist. So she started talking about food addiction and about having a disease. And um, and she she said, I really think you need to go to a, a um, food um, addiction treatment center. And so uh, by the grace of God, uh, and at that point I really saw that um, – I, I did have a big problem. Um, my my friend, I had um, my friends weren't calling me anymore because I, I had um, I had not kept any commitments. I would say, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll see you Saturday, and I get into the food, and then say, no, I, I don't feel good. Or and my my family, I I pushed my family away. I remember my mother called me, and she's like, are you drunk? And I I was drunk on food, and I I got mad that she. You know, and she would say, you know, just think of it as poison. Just don't take, just don't eat it. And um, and so my my parents were frustrated. My sister, um, you know, had been in a way, and so I didn't want to talk to her because she, you know, she was doing well. And um, anyway, my world was getting smaller and smaller. Things were not good with my boyfriend. Um, I um, 
you know, emotionally, physically, in every way, and I was just pretty much using him. I didn't want to be, be at home, um, so I, um, I lost my apartment because I didn't have any money because I was spending all my, every other day I was going to the ATM spending money on, on food, so I would stay with him, like, till night, and then I would drive home to uh, my parents' house and get home, like, around 11. And I have to say, on my way home, I always had to go to the 7-Eleven, and I would always want this certain type of um, candy gets. And I remember they ran out, and I said, well, can you check him back? And he's like, well, I don't think we have any. And he brought out some. He said, but this is really old. I mean, I'm going to throw it out. And, like, I would say, well, you know, my my um, little sister loves these things. She, she won't mind. And, you know, and, you know, just the, the craziness going through the drive throughs and, you know, pretending I had, you know, I was dry, you know, was, there was a party back at my house and I was getting all this food, you know, all the games that no one taught me to do that. That's just what I did to get my drug. Um, and so that's how it was. It was just, my world was small, no job, no friends, no family, like, somewhat of a boyfriend because he took pity on me but um and thank you god this therapist and so she worked on getting me to this treatment center in florida and so i went um and at that time i got on the plane and i just felt like this willingness god and and i asked god for help at that time and i said i can't i i can't do this anymore i can't live like this i don't want to live like this you know, I, I don't care if I'm if I stay heavy, but I just I'm just too tired of fighting this and and constantly wanting more, never feeling satisfied, always going for the next bite. Like that's going to do it for me. That's going to do it for me, and it never does. My binge eating, eating the way I wanted to, never satisfied me. Never. So I got on the plane, and when I got there. Um, it was lunchtime, and they said, oh, we're just having lunch um, come. And at that time, there were no digital scales, so you had this, the teetering scale. And I saw, like, over 50 women and some men weighing and measuring, <laughs> and it looked crazy. And I thought, oh, my God, what have I done? And I said, well, I'll do what they say while I'm in here, but when I get out, I'm not doing this. And so um, I had a tough time in there. They um, and I had a tough time with withdrawal. They didn't have I um, in the treatment center. There was no flour, sugar, caffeine, and um, I was physically sick for a couple weeks. Um, and I wanted to just sleep and be alone, and they wouldn't let me. They I was on room blackout, is what they told me, and so. Um, I couldn't go back to my room all day, and if I needed something out of my room, I had to ask someone to go get it. And and so, because I didn't want to talk to anyone either, I was just like, I didn't like anybody. I didn't want to be, they, I didn't, well, I knew I had to be there, but I didn't like it. And so we learned, they, they took out the big book, and we started studying the big book, and right from the doctor's opinion, and they said, um, where you see alcohol, we want you to write in there, um, your binge foods or any common denominator substances. And so um, we wrote a first step. Um, how were we powerless and how had our life become unmanageable? And um, through, you know, we met a lot throughout the day and it was around the big book. Um, 
and I learned a lot, but I was so ready, and I had to concede that I was powerless over flour, sugar, volume. Because um, even on diets, I could eat like I could eat tons of salad and still want more. So, um, and they gave a food plan. You know, it was based on it with a dietitian. A doctor talked to us about the allergy of the body and about when sugar and um, refined flour enters my body. It sets up the craving, the blood sugar. It can spike it up, and then it comes down, and then I want more. Um, and I, I was open-minded. I, I. All the years of being in program, not being open-minded, like thinking I'm not that bad or that has nothing to do with me, I was open-minded by the grace of God. Um, we, um, I learned a lot. Like they taught us a lot about um, we had a food funeral, and um, they said this is really important because even though it's a day-at-a-time program, it's... Um, we have to know that we can't say, oh, someday I'm going to eat that because that that little thought can get bigger and bigger and all of a sudden I can pick up. So I had to, I cried and cried of not having bagels anymore. I mean, you would think, oh, my God, like that was a huge thing. When I heard, when I first came around OA and I heard, well, no flour, no sugar, I thought, oh, my God, how can someone not have a bagel every day? I mean, and it wasn't even at that point that I was binging on bagels, but, like, oh, my, you know, how can, like, I not have ice cream? Uh, like, that just is unheard of. And um, so we we had, like, they had a coffin, and we were all dressed in black robes, and they actually had, we had a funeral, and we went up and we wrote down all the foods that, you know, we needed to grieve, and we put them in, and then they um, they set fire to them. And um, it was uh, it was pretty powerful because um, they also said, don't try to make absent food like binge food, like um, you know, like frozen, make like a frozen yogurt uh, type of thing. You know, putting you know, artificial sweetener and freezing it with fruit and like, so it's like your quote dessert. Um, I found in that, that, you know, crunchy foods like popcorn, it doesn't have flour and sugar, but it was like a binge food for me because it set up the, um, you know, my, my mouth to just want to crunch. Um, they, we learned how to really be with our food and eat, not shovel it down. So we had these gentle breakfasts where you had to be silent. And that was really hard for me. I was always eating in a fast um, pace in front of the TV, not really even tasting the food. Like maybe the first bite I would taste and go, ah, like yes. But then it was like, chasing that that taste so I would keep like kind of shoveling it in I mean that's basically I ate like an animal and seeing what a difference it was to take a spoonful put down the spoon and just be with the food and um and and then end it and have an ending to it and then live in between the meals and um at first that was so hard living in between the meals and so um 
we they showed us how to shop in a in a um, grocery store. Like go around the perimeter. That's really what where you need to. Um, the, the, that's your food. Like just, I mean, cereals, yes, and maybe like the olive oil. But otherwise, you don't need to be going up and down the aisles. And that's what I would do. You know, I would go up and down aisles, figuring out what's going to do it for me. What's that taste? What's that? What's what's going to give me that ah? And what do I feel like eating? It was all about me, myself, and I, and what I would feel. Like, how will I, I want to just get that taste so then I'll be satisfied. I was never satisfied. And the awesome thing with this food plan and, and you know, we got right into the step work, like it was enough. It, and I never felt like I was able to eat enough. I never felt like it was enough. Um they warned against doing the, the one, two, three waltz, the step one, two, three waltz, one, two, three, one, two, three, and not getting into the action steps. So um, while I was in the treatment center, I, um, I did steps one, two, and three, and one was writing the first step, and then we shared it, and it was amazing how no matter what people's background, some people have wonderful, like no no dysfunction in their, their family, and yet they were doing the same thing I was with food, you know, sneaking it, eating it frozen, eating it burned, eating it out of the garbage. I did all of that. Um, going out five times in a night to replace, I kept, I ate um, my roommate's um, ice cream, so then I had to go out and replace it, ate it again when I got home. Then I had to go out, I'll get one for her, one for me, ate both of them, went out again, and it was just like, I mean, I just couldn't control it. So um did steps one, two, and three. And so when I got out, you know, it's not a, it's not a cure. And it's not, ma- you know, just going to a treatment center is not magic. And they, I really, I saw that now it's working day. Um, so they said, do a meeting a day for at least three months. I did it for at least six months. Um, in the beginning, I knew myself, I couldn't handle smells. So um, for at least six months, I didn't go to a restaurant because I, and no one told me not to, but I just, I just needed to um, be real kind of careful of this. So, um, so that was the beginning of, um, you know, of 21 years ago of um, my recovery. And thank you, God, I got right into a step um, study group. And uh, we used the AA 12 and 12. Um, and, you know, I did a four-step, I did the fifth, I made amends, and then it was, um, you know, the next 20 years have been amazing. Um, I have done different study, um, step studies, and, um, but I had this, um, the personality to change that, um, they talk about in the big book. You know, before, um, I remember my boyfriend said after, um, you know, working the steps, he said, you know, I, I never wanted to tell you, but you were just so high strung before. And, um, you know, I, I was just always envious and I would be in self-pity and anger. I would be smiling and I'd be so angry at you. Like, you wouldn't know it. And I carried so much anger. I had a lot of anger toward God that um, I worked through in these steps. I was mad that my sister died um, when she was 17 of a plane crash, 
and my brothers were mentally ill, my father was an alcoholic, you know, I was just so angry at God that, you know, my life wasn't the way I wanted it, and and my brothers weren't the way that I wanted it, and even my sister wasn't, you know, I wanted her to be, a, you know, a certain way. I was, the isolation I used to be in, and fear, like I was driven by fear, and fear got me into, like, my the small apartment eating all the time and not wanting to face life. And, and today I have this, I can't describe it. It's, it's just like this inner knowing that fundamentally all is well. Um, I've been through a lot these last 20 years, um, and thank you, God, like, I've been absent and I've been able to implement the steps to deal with life's challenges. Um, you know, my father died. I was fancy that um, took her life. Um, I've um, been in a 15-year marriage, and about um, six, five or six years ago, my husband wanted to leave me, and I had to really look at, um, again, my behavior. And at that time, I was um, really working the steps in a, um, a much more thorough way through the big book. Um, as it's laid out in the big book, and I'm so thankful because what, when we were going through that, I was doing my fourth step, and I finally saw through the questions as they're laid out in the big book, they have questions about um, where am I selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and afraid, and I honestly didn't know how self-centered I was and um, selfish in my marriage I was, um, and that it was always about me. And through the steps um, and then making amends, um, and I think really God, God's grace came in and came into my husband, we have um, such a much more loving relationship today. It's not perfect, and we definitely, um, he, um, you know, I, I work a strong program, and I do put my recovery and God um as a priority, but my husband is the most important person in my life. And, um, but I need help from God to, um, to navigate that. And, and my husband can get uh, jealous of my, my program commitments. And, um, but we work through it and we talk about it, which in my family, we never talked or worked through anything. It was always yelling and then go up to your room and then seize about it. Um, so today I can say I, I walk a free woman. Um, I Food is neutral to me. Um, I What I need to do is um, I do uh, write down, I, I commit my food every day to God and I write it down at this point. I talk to my sponsor three times a week. Um, I weigh and measure my food except when I go to restaurants um, and I do go out to restaurants, but I don't do it, um, you know, like a lot, but... Um, I do go out and I make sure that um, they have what I need. Um, I have found in in the last 21 years um, my my bottom lines of flour, sugar, volume, um, high fat, um, uh, caffeine that I I need to abstain from. Um, but then there's also um, some foods I found that were quote sexy that kind of took my, like I wanted to have maybe every day or maybe not more of it, but just more often. And, and it kind of, it what it did was 
it would get in the way of my higher pa- my relationship with my higher power and that relationship is the most important relationship um i'll just touch upon how i work the steps today i i do sponsor and that keeps me in the steps um as I bring um, women through the steps, as they're laid out in the big book, um, we spend a lot of time on step one because that's so crucial. It took me a while to get step one. That power, like, without a doubt, that I'm powerless over certain substances. And you know, in the big book, I love it. It's just so clear. I have an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. And once I pick up one, it sets off that craving. And then I'm not in control. So I need help not to pick up that one. And and that's where knowing that I have this disease. And I tried everything. I didn't even mention um, the doctors I went to. And then I did have surgery. Um, all in the name of if I get thin then I'll be well, and then I'll naturally stay thin. And um, and so much, so much focus on the food in my body. Like today, my focus is on, God, how do you want me to be useful to you? Um, I was given the, the blessings I've been given in, in, in recovery. Um, I had um, two master degrees, and I got all A's in both of them. Now, that wasn't me in undergrad. I told you I almost failed twice. That was God working through me. Um, my mom now has Alzheimer's, and it was a real real uh, hard loss for me because she's not the mother that um, I, I knew. Um, she's now more like my child. And I, there was a, I had a period of anger um, about it, but I worked through it with these steps. You know, I, I did... I did um, you know, I did a 10-step on it. I did the turnarounds on it. I, I talked about it. I prayed about it. Prayer is so crucial to me. My quiet time in the morning, my the meditation and the prayer time, um, I live in steps 10, 11, and 12 today. And, and how I do that, um, 10, I, I now get these little, um, like this little nudge or like this uh-oh in me when, when I have been selfish or I talk out of line or I gossip um, and I'm not perfect at it and I like I need so much more uh, growth in, in, in this area. Um, but I can, I do say, I do apologize in the moment or I, I ask God, like, remove my, my drivenness right now. Like, I want what I want. Like, just... I want to do your will. Um, I pause today and ask for God's inspiration, intuitive thought. And I can, I can, I have this intuition. And the hardest part for me is waiting for God to reveal um, if I need to make a decision. There was a decision I needed to make, and it was pretty painful of my discernment, but I just kept going to God with it. It was around work, and I had this extra job, and and I was able to let it go. And then God, this past week, confirmed um, that it was the right decision. So sometimes I make decisions not knowing 100%, but that's where my faith, that whatever the decision I make, as long as I'm not 
in in the food and I'm going to God and then I I take the risk and I just make the decision. But sometimes I have to take more time with it and, and God reveals that to me. I this power that I have today, it's so awesome, like to make decisions and and then when I go through hard times I, I'm not alone with it. Um, and I know I'm, I'm probably talked way over my time, but the big book I go to um, for so much on how to sponsor, how to live, um, and I love the section where it says we meet calamity with serenity. Like no matter what's going on outside of me, I can have peace within. Um, and um, and I love the acceptance prayer because if I'm disturbed, it's something in me and it's usually a spiritual problem. And so I have to look at where am I with God and what is it that I want and what is it that I'm afraid of. And if I am willing to look and I'm willing to bring my higher power in, then it will be revealed and I can take the next step or not or not take a step. With all my relationships, I have to bring God in there. God is the third in all my relationships. Otherwise, I'll get my selfishness in there. And um, and so I, I do um, my quiet time, and, and I weigh and measure. I commit my food. I have sponsees. I, sponsor, um, I have a sponsor. I go to meetings. Um, I started a big book step study meeting a year ago. It's been just so wonderful. More and more people are getting into the steps and turning to the steps to find their higher power and to find the solution. And the solution's here. It's here in these steps and in this big book, and I'm just so grateful to have found that that God brought me here. And I thank you all for listening. I will pass. Thank you so much, Judy F., for sharing your experience, strength, and hope with us today. We now invite those of you on the line to ask any questions of our speaker. In order for us to hear you, please press star 1 to unmute your phone. Once you are done with your question, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. Does anyone have any questions today for Judy F.? Hi, Judy. This is Marsha. I have one real quick question. Um, yeah. Your sister, the one that, passed, that died from the uh, accident, uh, was she the same sister that was in OA from the beginning? Uh, no, no. Actually, um my sister who died in a plane crash, um, I was four years old, and she was 17. Um, I'm sorry yep, for your loss. So, yep, thank you. And also, would you mind sharing your phone number? This is Janice. Hang on just a moment, Janice. Um, go ahead, Judy. Marcia was asking for your phone number, I believe. Sure. I, I love to get calls. Um, 508 Seven three five one four four two, and that's Eastern Standard Time. Thank you very much. Pass. Thank you. Thank you, Marsha Janice. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. I just wanted to say thank you so much for um, sharing your story this morning. I I just could relate to so many things that you were talking about, that uh, shared experience, that identifying. You know, I also did that whole diet center thing and the over-exercising and uh, all those pieces that 
that I can relate to and um and thank you for talking about what got you to the other side and and the hard work that you continue to do i mean it's it it's uh freedom and we remain vigilant and thank you God for that so thank you so much for sharing your story oh thank you thank you Janice God are awesome. there yeah, other questions for Judy Hi, this is Maggie, Compulsive Overeater. Go ahead, Maggie. Thank you so much. Thank you, Judy. I, too, related to much of your story. I really appreciate it. I want to know if you've brought exercise into balance in your life and it, how you've done that, and and just a little bit more about that. Thank you. And I pass. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Um yeah, you know, I've I've prayed a lot about that, and um, I have I it has um, been released from me. Um, I I didn't mention how I had um, one of the gifts of this program is God brought me um, to um, getting a horse, and um, and a while back, and that. Uh, through actually a program friend and um and that was always a lifetime dream of having a horse so that was just so wonderful and that relationship with the horse it was very spiritual horses are very very spiritual and um this was a very fearful horse and my work with the horse I got a trainer to help me so it was sort of like I got a sponsor <laughs> to help me train this horse because it was very afraid to leave the barn and it reminded me of me and and I learned how to be gentle. Anyway, that that being involved in that horse, God helped me then to break even my, my cycle of going to a gym because then I, I started. Because it was, I had kind of way to measure it. When I first went into the treatment center, they said just do walking and then work with the sponsor later to do kind of like weigh and measure, like how um, commit to how much. And I was doing that, but it was still, I, even though I was kind of measuring it, like go to, you know, the gym five times a week, no more, and don't do more than like 45 minutes of aerobics, that sort of thing. Um, but it still felt really important. And that experience with the horse kind of drew me, I think it was like God's way of drawing me so then it wasn't this. So since that time, it broke that, like drivenness to have to exercise every day, and um, because you know I was I was you know mucking the the stalls and I I was doing work, but it was not in this like okay I have to you know burn so many. I, well, I never really counted calories in program. Thank you God. But um, so that really helped kind of take me out of it. Um, and then today, what I do is. It, it kind of ebbs and flows. Like this summer, we did a lot of biking. My husband got back into biking, so it was something we could do together. But I know now that I'm back at work, that's probably going to, you know. So I, I just have this, um, I can't explain it, but God, I kept praying about it, and God kind of put things in my life to help me. And I had the willingness to try something different, too. Thank you. Other questions for Judy? Hi, this is Anne-Marie. Anne-Marie, go ahead. Hi, my name is Claire. um, Hang hang on just a minute, Claire. Um, Anne-Marie, you go ahead, and then Claire, you can be next. 
Okay, thank you. Um, I have I I could very much identify so much with your story and appreciate all that you you've spoken about. Um, I have uh, two questions. Um, one is about um, have you have you ever gotten over the body distortion uh, and or uh, do you accept your body size now? And the other one is um, I I briefly heard you say that um, about comparing yourself to others. Um, do you still um, have that you know compare yourself to other people whether or not uh, you don't you know you don't want to look like them or you do want to look like them? Thank you. Thank you, Emory. Um, I'll take the second question first because that's easier. Uh, no, it, it, like the envy, that's been such a get. Like I think, wow, like I guess I have had somewhat of a personality change because I don't live with that envy. Um, and I, I really think that's part of, you know, being like the recovered, the, the spiritual awakening. Um, and I... I just am really so grateful for, you know, what I have today and, and where I am. Um, the the body distortion, you know, was interesting. In the treatment center, they had us getting on this big paper, each of us, and they would trace our bodies. And then we would stand up and say, does that look bigger than you think you are or smaller? And all the real, all the anorexics and the real thin thought it looked bigger than what they are and all the heavier people and I was in that at that time I was in that category um didn't look as big uh think that that was too big that they were actually smaller so that got to me like wow this is part of this illness and so today for me most of the time I'm um I mean I'm not I'm not trying to lose weight or gain I, I've stayed pretty steady within three pounds, um, but, you know, just every once in a while, I'll um, I'll think, oh, I mean, you know, I'm getting, I'm 48, so I'm getting older, and things are sagging a little bit, <laughs> you know, gravity, but then it's like, I'll immediately say, but, you know, like, it doesn't matter, you know, it's, it's okay. like, I'm a child of God, and I'm here to be useful. So, yes, it, it can cross my mind, and a lot of times it crosses my mind when I'm hungry, angry, lonely, tired, or yeah, or I'm not feeling good about myself. So it's not, and I know it's not based in reality, and um, and I have to ask God for help, you know. Thank you very much. Thank you. Claire, you had a question? Hi, um, this is Claire. Oh, Clara, is it? Yeah, this is Claire. I'd just like to get okay. your phone number again, please. Sure. 508-735-1442. Thank you so much for your um, share, and I related to it in so many ways. And um, thank you. I just wanted to thank you for your honesty and your your um courage to share that. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank Hi. you. Other questions? Go ahead. Hi, it's Candy in Boston and uh Judy, I just want to thank you so much. You sounded so wonderful today and I appreciate your being on this 
past with me and everyone else. And I would just like you to speak a little bit more about um, how to keep, how you keep all the balls in the air, you know, meetings, quiet time, work, relationship with your husband, friends. Have you come up with new ways or is it just simply a matter of checking in with higher power about the next right thing? Thanks. Yeah, thank you, Kathy. Um, yeah, you know, um, I've, I was always taught, you know, program, family, job, and, um, you know, the recovery program for me, <clears throat> of course, includes the um, my, my time with God, alone time with God. Um, and so that's, I first, that's my priority when I get up in the morning, um, and then my my step, my step work, and and I do that, you know, the um, 84 to 88. I read that um, in the morning. I usually read, you know, the morning part in the morning. Um, and so when I when I think of my day, and that's usually how my days are. They they start with God. And then I, you know, in my quiet time, I ask God, like, just to um, direct me today and to do your will. And I do have a couple of meditation books that I read, and then I take something from there and then um, kind of focus on that. If um, And then sometimes God has, you know, another thing for me to focus on. <clears throat> and, um, and then at night, I do the 11-step review, and I've been... Um, actually typing that out, um, emailing it to a, a partner, an 11-step partner. And that's like, so I have those bookends, um, and that really helps me stay in working the steps, like stay in looking at my side of the street and what am I, am I loving and kind and am I, you know, trying to do God's will. And then um, I have two face-to-face meetings um, that I commit to. I used to do three or four face-to-face, but now I'm more involved in, um, you know, phone meetings as well. And um, and I have four sponsees. There was a time I had seven, and that was just um, too much. And as much as I would love to, you know, spend my whole life, my, you know, every week, waking moment sponsoring and, and talking, um, I know I... I can't do that, and, and that I have to go to God. And so it's always going to God, and it's it's the ebb and flow, and more will be revealed. I've found, like I said, I had to <clears throat> let go of like this part-time job I had. And um, and so I, I know I, I have that tendency to do more. I'm, I'm comp- you know, I'm a compulsive reader, and I can be compulsive all in the name of doing good. So, um I, and I know it's so crucial for me to have time with God. Otherwise, I won't have that clear understanding of what God wants. Um, and then um, my weekends, um, a lot of my weekends are with my husband. Um, and I try to, um, you know, set my, that I don't, um, unless someone's in trouble, I don't take calls after 7 if it's just, a, you know, just a regular call. So that that's time um, that I devote to him. And um, and then my family and and my mom. Um, it's it is it's not always easy, but when I really 
ever since, you know, for 21 years since I, I, you know, got on that plane, it was um, kind of drilled into me at first. Like, I have to put this recovery program first or I'll have nothing. And God has given me so many, so many gifts. But um, with one bite, I can, I can throw it all away. And, with, and the food is usually the last to go. The first, and this is what I've heard, and this is why I like to keep coming to meetings, to hear a lot of times it's our disciplines when we let go of this and this, and then um, things unravel. And, and today I, 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 I know this is a deadly disease for me. And, um, and lucky me, I don't have to go three times a week to get, you know, um, cancer treatment or, um, you know, I don't have to, with, like my brother, I don't have to take some major med, uh, meds. Um, so, and like in doing this, what I do, I get closer to God and I get closer to people. But, um, yeah, balancing it, I, I need, you know, help with God and my sponsor helps me too with that too. So um, I don't do any of this alone. Thanks. Thank you. Other questions for Judy? Chris Starr, want to unmute? Oh, Hi, go ahead. I'm sorry, what was your name? This is Margaret in Illinois. Margaret. Margaret from Illinois. Go ahead. Hi. Thank you so much, Judy. Um, I really enjoyed your um, sharing with all of us. Um, I was a little confused when you mentioned 11-step partner, and I was going to ask you if that was your sponsor, and you just mentioned your sponsor. So could you elaborate on 11-step partner for me because I'm unfamiliar with that. Yeah. I mean, I... Um, about six months ago, um, it was someone that uh, I, in a way, uh, big book friend, and I, I was just saying I was doing it on my own, like writing it in my book, but I wasn't always doing it, and sometimes I'd fall asleep. And I had heard another friend of mine had a partner that would do that. So what we do is every night we we um, go through um, the questions that are on page, um, I think it's like 86, when we retire at night, we ask God, um, when we retire at night, we constructively view, review our day, and then we answer these questions, were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? So if I have a resentment, then I'll write out, um, like I did in the fourth step, um, the four questions and look at the fear and do the fear turnarounds on that, and then just answer these questions. Do we owe an apology? Have we... So um, I try to do it during the day, but some things I can't get, you know, um, I kind of do a review at night, and it's good, and I can get her feedback. And then we do connect by phone a few times a week, too. So um, I, I've found that that's um, helpful because sometimes I, my sponsor couldn't do that um, for me, so that I found somebody. And so we do it for each other. I see. Thank you so much. Thank you. Next question for Judy. Hi, this is Teresa from D.C. Go ahead. Okay, um, good morning, Judy. Thank you for um, your sharing. I am curious about what you shared about step one and this that ritual that you went through of having 
a funeral to let go of of foods. And so I was curious. I was curious about that. Was it was it foods and food behaviors and all the things that we try to give up in step one? And then once you did that, did you feel absolutely free, or were there times that you were tempted again, but you just had new resolve? How did that work? Thank you. Um. Thank you for your question. Um, so that was, yeah, in the treatment center, um, they said it, it's important for us to really know that, um, you know, this food had a hold on us. Um, you know, we were enslaved to it um, and that we first had to admit that we were and um, really just, like, not keep any secrets in our head, like, oh, you know what, someday I am going to have that. And so, and to see how powerful the food was to us. I mean, it was our master. And um, I think that exercise really, and to cry over it. I mean, it's sort of like we, they also had us do temper tantrums. It's like they, we didn't want to do something. Well, you know, have a temper tantrum and get it out of your system, but you do it anyway. So it's sort of getting away from feeling you know, feelings and um, more like, okay, the reality is, you know, it's, this program is one day at a time. You know, I don't, I don't have to do this for one day. But there can't be this lurking notion that, you know, someday I'm going to have some ice cream. And, um, and so to really be with the feelings of uh, grieving, grieving it. And then the first, we did, that was like part of the first step work. And then it was writing you know, the first step where, you know, what kind of doing a, like a mini qualification, but over and over I saw the pattern. I might, when I picked that, that first bite, I might not have lost control right away. It might have even been a couple of weeks, but I did. I did then continue binge, like I would then start compulsively overeating. So that was really good over and over, seeing the patterns and then hearing other people so we really got it. This is a disease. Like, we didn't go to school and learn how to, you know, sneak food and overeat it. Like, I learned it because I wanted what I wanted and I was going to do whatever I needed to get it. And that is, it's, um, and then the mental obsession, that's where that food funeral helps too. Like, having that, I want to be clear of all food. Like, food is nutrition for my body, fuel for my body. It's not entertainment. It's not my, my friend. It's not my higher power. It's not something I go to to make me feel better. It's just for my body. And so doing those exercises really helped to separate myself from the food. But I have to say the step work is what really gave me the freedom. Like otherwise it would have been a nice exercise, but if I, I had to have old ideas changed, I had to have a, a higher power in my life, and be um, focused on that, and not on the and the um, you know that higher power is, was food was no longer my higher power. But there's a process of getting there, and that's the process of the steps. You know, that's my experience anyway. Thanks, Judy. Thank you. Other questions for Judy? Press star one to unmute. Good morning. This is Deborah. May I speak? Deborah, please go ahead. Judy, thank you for your share. It was very 
um, enlightening, and I I love the the story and um, can identify with a lot of it. At this time, I hear you're talking to your sponsor. You said about three times a week, and I'm wondering if that has always been the pattern to talk three times a week because I've personally been doing it like every day, and I hear other people this, you know, and I wondered how they three times a week works. Do you call in between if there's something that comes up? Um, do you turn your food over to her for the next three days until you call her again? And how does that work for you? Thank you. Yeah, th- thank you. Um, so, so I'm going into my 22nd. So I had 21 years. So for a long time, um, it was every day that I would commit my food. Um, and then, um, and I've had a few different sponsors. Um, one sponsor I had for many years, and then she became a missionary, and so it was hard to call over to Bolivia. Um, but so this latest sponsor I've had, I think, for 10 or maybe 12, 11 years. And so at first it was every day, so she knew, you know, what I was doing with the food. And then we went to five, and then we went to three. And um, basically that was her um, suggesting it um, and that she wanted me also to go to God a lot more. And um, and I also have a, a, a good um, network that um, of people that know me that, um, you know, have experience with the steps and that, that are recovered. So I do call other people. I have a set time that I call um, 6 a.m. on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then, yes, if anything comes up, I may email her or call her. And then I also reach out to my um, other folks. And, and that's why I also wanted, like, 11 step because of my, you know, to do the step work daily. Um, my sponsor, you know, worked with me through the steps and, you know, step nine. I have a couple more nine uh, amends to make, so she's um, – I go to her with that and um, – yeah, so that's how, you know, I do it. The network is so important, um, and I, I write it down, and I write it to God. You know, I commit it to God, so I don't change anything. If I, I am going to change something, I do still make a call just to, you know, uh, know that it's, you know, not my head saying, well, I don't feel like that, you know, that there's a good reason that I have to change it. Something spoiled, or we didn't have enough of it, um, that sort of thing. So um, I uh, – and – and you know, and if if yeah, so um, but she's the one that kind of felt that um, for my spiritual growth, that going less would be um, you know, that good to know that God really is the first I go to. I'll pass. I'm I'm all set. If I I uh, Christy, we can't hear you. Yep. Thank you. Thank you so much. I actually got cut off. Other questions for Judy? Press star one to unmute. If you have a question for Judy. Hi, this is Melanie. I have a question. Go ahead, Melanie. Hi. Thank you. Judy, yes, I just want to 
chime in with everybody else. Thank you. The, the chronological order in which you shared everything was just just a really touching, deep spiritual journey and clear, clear picture of what this disease does and did for me and to me. And um, so when I listen to you and, and the answers that you're giving today, I am absolutely deeply, profoundly touched by the thought that um, this is who I am and the treatment that I am involved in every day is what gives me the freedom in life to address the responsibility of this disease that I have and to live a fuller, freer life than I would otherwise. And I get that impression from what you're talking about too. Would you share about, and maybe this is an obvious question, would you share about um, why you do what you do every day because it seems like it is a good portion of your day. Somebody else was talking about, um, you know, do you call your sponsor? How many sponsors do you have? Um, you know, who do you connect with and how is it and how do you do the meetings? Why is it, you know, truly after all this time, couldn't you just relax a little bit more? And I don't, I mean this seriously um, because I'm the kind of person that, um, that truly, gets poked every day so that I am in, in the um, grace of God to be able to keep it green. And I'm just curious about your take on that. Mm, thank you, Melanie, for the question. Um, my husband has asked me that. <laughs> um, and, oh, gosh, I just, it gets, I mean, I know this might sound corny, but my life truly gets better and better. Um because th- this work I do um, is gets me closer to a higher power. Um, if I, I I have in order to do this, uh, like making phone calls, inevitably when I make a phone call, we talk about God and um, we talk about gratitude and um, and when I reach out to a, a newcomer. You know, I I get so I feel like wow I'm so blessed because I know, I mean I mean you've all heard my life was pretty much like if I wasn't physically death I was living a, a spiritual death like it was death on the layaway plan and I I get to like I mean just even in my my relationships have gotten better even from last year. Um, I I did a ninth step a, a few years ago with my brother because I had this awareness that um, I was a big part of our problem and I thought it was always the rest of our family thought it's always him but I was part of it and now next weekend we're going and spending the weekend with him I mean like things if you told me a year ago I'd be doing that like I'd say no way um, I've gone. To um, you know, traveled all over. I went to Australia. I was 15 hours on a plane, and you know, with you know, eating absent food, but just being like the life that's just ahead of me. Um, I I I'm in a job like for years when I was in my disease, I didn't know what I wanted to do for work, and today I'm um, I love what I do, but. Last year, I was struggling about this second, you know, job, and, and it's through God's uh, wisdom that I found I could let go. Um, I keep doing this because I I have so much more to learn, and I still like it's not. 
I'm not at all, like, I have, pro, you know, I still have um, personality problems that um, I need help with. Like, I'm, and there's still so much more to grow and so much more freedom. Like, I love, and I think I first heard it from Leia, how free do you want to be? I know I'm still limiting myself in areas, and it's only through this work, because this work is what gets me closer to God, um, that I will be able to realize what more freedom I can have. So I wouldn't be doing this if it didn't get better and better. Um, and yes, challenges get um, are there, but um, overall, and overall, I, I feel more um, like at peace with some things. And, um, you know, there's some challenging stuff going on right now with my family, and, and I have some responsibility as the power of attorney of my mother's estate and um, having a mentally ill brother, and and I just keep, like, this helps me to keep on keeping on. Otherwise, that could kind of, um, I could drown in that stuff, truly, because I could get all into that Um and think that I have to figure this out. So I need, the more longer I'm here, the good news is I realize how much more I need God. This, These steps have helped me more and more. I, I mean, I have had a relationship with God, and then I learned to trust God, and now I need to rely on God. God first, and then more will be, like it says um, at the end of, you know, page 164, more will be revealed, and I don't have to be the director. And I need reminding of that. Part of this illness for me is forgetfulness and and wanting to deny who I am um, because that's just part of the illness. I don't have to beat myself over it. But that's why it's day, like what I have today does not, it's not insurance for tomorrow. It's I start again in the morning. And the good news is, if if I kind of flubbed up and owe someone amends, like I have today to make that amends. So, um, so it's just there is so much hope. If anything, I hope people come away with the hope um, through these steps. And what I found is working the steps as they're laid out in the big book was the best way I worked the steps. It got me um, more freedom and uh, and yeah and peace. Okay. Thank you. Next question for Judy. Judy, hi. This is Marsha again. I hope. Uh, may I ask a question? Go ahead, Marsha. Um, first of all, I want to say thank you for your explanation because I, I feel the same way you do. I haven't been abstinent as long as you, but. A couple months ago, my dad passed away, and at the funeral, well, during the time of preparing for the funeral and everything, one of my sisters came to me and said, hey, I think you ought to be more relaxed around the family about your eating. And I made the mistake of caving in after a while. And when I did, I found myself eating non-abstinent food. And I just want to thank you, especially for that, 
But I want to ask you, have you been getting pressure from your family about abstinent food versus non-abstinent food? Um, no. Um, I think in the beginning, uh, after a while, well, I think they knew how bad I was. Um, when I went into that, you know, the second treatment center, I mean, I was, uh, in, you know, for years they saw me going up and down and, and all the crazy, like the diets and the surgery. And so they kind of knew that I, I was, I think, um, and I mean, other people will say like at work, they know what I do. And at first they were like, well, you're thin, you know, why, why do you have to keep eating that way? And, and, you know, I'll, um, sometimes I, you know, I break my anonymity and, um, if I think it's going to be helpful, but sometimes I think they just, you know, want something to talk about. <laughs> so I just say, well, you know, caught, you know, I have food allergies and, you know, I was in a hospital twice and then they usually like forget it. And yeah, my family, I think, um, I think like my sister's in-laws were always wondering and then they saw like, I guess some of my pictures were out that they, my sister had and. So um, I haven't had a lot of, um, it's more outside people that don't know me will say, well, why do you need to do that? Or neighbors, if I go over to neighbors' houses. Um, but I think if, you know, the most important thing is that I know what I need to do. Um, and I know in the beginning, when my, my husband um, met me when I was uh, six years abstinent and recovered. So he never saw me in my disease. So that's why it can be hard for him Um understanding why I still need to do this sometimes and and why, um, you know, I still, you know, weigh and measure. And yet he witnessed when I, when, when I was talking about sexy foods, um, equal packets, I didn't over indulge them, but I had them everywhere. I had them in my, every po- pocket every, in the car, just in case if I get decaf, I wanted to have it and I wanted to make sure I had it around. And so he kind of, observed how like compulsive I could be with substances and so I, I did let go of that about um, I think 12 years ago but um, I think if we're if we know we can just say this is what I need to do today and and not look for I stopped looking for people to agree you know and support me as long as you know I have I have a support group and um, and I know without a doubt that this is what I need to do, and and it's a fatal illness. Like, I, I don't want to be high drama, but this is a fatal illness. Um, and um, and I know for me, if I pick up, like I I don't know, like I can't say that I'll I'll get get this back. You know, I I and so I don't need to. You know, if I do what I'm doing today, like it's all, it really is in today. Um, and I do think of my day as today. I don't think oh wow it's been 21 years I just think yep this is what I need to do today um, for my program and God does the rest I mean, God does the big stuff he takes like that neutrality God put there like I didn't and that's what I used to do like white knuckle okay I'm not going to think about food okay I'm going to eat a good meal today I'll pass Thank you. Thank you so much. Next question for Judy. Hi, this is Margaret again. 
Margaret, go ahead. Another... Hi, Judy. Sure, go ahead. Um, could, would you mind just kind of telling us what a typical day of food would be for you? Thank you. Um, do you mean, uh, yeah, I'm not sure, Christy, do you know, does that, uh, do we get into specifics like that, or should they call me? Um, you know, if you'd rather, they could certainly call you. I have not heard that we would not talk about specifics, so honestly, I don't okay. know. Okay. So, um, Marcia, is that you want to know, like, my food plan? Well, not, you know, you don't have to give it to me exactly, but just, you know, um, uh, like, uh, say one day out of a week's worth of food, um, just so I can sort of get an idea of what you eat and or don't eat, especially okay. when it comes to and flour. Okay. Oh, well, I can say, I mean, generally, I don't, um, like, I don't, you know, eat flour products. However, I do have grains, so... Like um, for breakfast, I'll have, you know, weighted measured oatmeal, um, yogurt, um, and I do the like the Greek yogurt because it gives me more protein, um, and um, and a fruit. And then at lunch, I'll have um, sometimes I'll have like a rice and a legume and bean um, combination because that has with that combination I learned from the treatment center it, it gives you more protein. So, like, say, lentils and brown rice and then um, cooked vegetable, salad and fruit and um, and oil. And then, uh, um, or, or I'll have salad dressing with the, no sugar in it. And, um, and then dinner, I'll have, like, um, a protein, you know, uh, steak, chicken, pork, fish. There's really not a protein that I don't eat. Um, that I can think of, except like if ham has sugar in it, but um, and then yam or white potato, or like that, actually I like yellow potatoes, and then um, cooked vegetables um, and a salad, or sometimes not a salad, and I'll just have you know the double cooked vegetable um, and uh, two tablespoons of the olive oil and a fruit. And um, now when I first went through the treatment center, they had me do uh, what they call the metabolic snack before bed, and that was so they reduced the amount of protein at lunch and dinner, and I had like a dairy, fruit, and an ounce of cereal. Um, after about five years of doing that, I went to another sponsor who didn't do it that way, but also I was fine. I had to be honest with myself, and I was putting a lot of mental energy on, ooh, when am I going to have I can't wait to have that metabolic snack. Oh, boy, you know what? I'm not going out tonight because I'll miss my metabolic snack or I don't want to bring my metabolic snack. I mean, I started sort of making it much more important. So um, I had to be honest about that. Uh, so then we went to three meals. And so that it that gave me more, um, you know, not as much mental gymnastics around that. But I eat lots of different grains like millet and quinoa and, brown rice and um, and then different legumes um, and, and the protein, I, um, uh, you know, I, I don't, so I, I find I, I have a very delicious, um, 
I, I eat starchy vegetables. I know in the beginning we had to kind of limit it because I was on the re- kind of like not maintaining, but um, but you know I I just uh, I have to vary it and not you know if I start having something too much cheese I I sort of every once in a while have cheese because I could um, that can be could be sexy. I mean I don't think it it has any substance in it that makes me want to have more and more of it. I just don't I I just want to be neutral with my food, um, not make it about the food, um, but I don't but I do enjoy my meals like I and so I do feel that I have balance with that. Um, I'm not afraid of the food, but I have a health respect that um, that's why I need to weigh and measure because I was doing such volumes and honestly. I still will look at the meal and go, like, wow, is that really four ounces? And I have to, like, weigh it again. Yeah, it is. So, you know, my, I have something broken in, in, in me about food. And, um, and so that these, you know, um, I don't worship the scale, but it's a helpful tool for me to um, live, you know, so that I can then live between the meals. Thank you very much. There's a lot for me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Are there any other questions before we wrap up? Hey, good. Judy, would you mind giving your number out one more time? I know you've given it out a couple of times, but just in case other people have questions they didn't get a chance to ask. Oh, sure. Uh, 508-735-1442. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you to everyone who participated today, our 12-step reader, Melanie, our 12 traditions reader, Deb W., and especially, especially our speaker, Judy F. We are here at A Vision for You Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. We also have special meetings on most Sundays, like our speakers meeting this morning. Our next Sunday meeting is scheduled for September 9th when we will have a panel of speakers sharing their experience, strength, and hope on step two. You can access recordings at any time by calling the following number. It's 712-432-5203. Again, that's 712-432-5203. Then you can press Pound zero. Is that correct, Melanie? It's pound zero? Yeah. Access that. Yep. Thank you so much. Yes, so, that's correct. So, yes. Th- thank you. So pound zero will access that day's recording. So again, 712-432-5203, and then you can press pound zero to access that day's recording. So if you wanted to listen to the speaker today, again, in the questions and answers, you could press pound zero today. Actually, um, pound, I think. Is it zero pound? Yes. Okay. Try zero pound. Thank you so much for the correction. Um, for example, if you wanted to listen to uh, a vision for you, our Thursday meeting, you could press um, the access code for that meeting, which is 2894. So 2894 if you wanted to access last Thursday's meeting, if you wanted to access Friday's meeting, you could press 2901 if you wanted to listen to our Friday meeting. And then, Melanie, do you have the access code for today if folks wanted to tune in tomorrow and listen to today's recording? 
I do, I do, I do. And that number is 2915 for this Sunday's wonderful share today by Judy F. Yes, you won't want to miss it and you want to re-listen probably. <laughs> My opinion, thanks. <laughs> Thank you so much. Christy? Yes. Could Judy be so kind to do the number one more time a little bit slower because I can't write that fast. And Christy, this is Melanie. I'm going to stop the recording. I thought that maybe we would be closing off with a vision for you or something, but I think that we're getting into some chat. So I'm going to just stop the recording and then you can continue on. So just give me a second. Okay. <laughs> 